Praise the Lord, Life Church. Praise the Lord. Welcome to All Nations Sunday, 9.30 service. We want to um, welcome you guys. We just want you guys to come on and gather in, and we're going to start worshiping the Lord. And today is All Nations Sunday, and we welcome you guys.
let's lift up the name of Jesus in this place right now. Can we lift our hands and lift up our voices and give God praise? Thank you, Jesus. You are amazing and wonderful and great and greatly to be praised. And we are here in your presence, Lord, and we feel you and we just lift you up. Inhabit our praise, God. We thank you. We praise you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're great. God, we love you. It is good to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning, on All Nations Sunday. How many are excited about what the Lord is doing in this hour? Yes. If our ushers and hostesses would come, get ready to receive today's tithes and offerings. And uh, as they're coming, uh, our announcements Sunday, it's All Nations Sunday. We're having church service today at 930 at 11. We're going to have an all-nation service probably about 12, uh, 15 or so. We will have our meal again, and so we're looking forward to all of that. There is a prayer tonight at Bradwell Park in downtown Hinesville, and uh, that is a, a multiple faith type prayer sponsored by the United Ministerial Association. A lot of different people will be praying and uh, they let us know we're definitely invited to come out and pray. This is, uh, I believe, about prayer for Israel and the people that have been, uh, you know, that are dealing with everything they're dealing with, the entire Middle Eastern area, and prayer for that area for peace. Amen. So let's call on the name of Jesus for this offering today. And Lord, we're thankful for what you're doing in this hour. God, we know your presence is here. God, you've designed this service for such a time as this. We know that none of us came in here accidentally or haphazardly, but God, that you have a perfect will and plan for each and every one of us. We're thankful today, God, for the missionaries you've sent to us. We know they have a word, God, from you to minister to each of these services in this entire congregation. God, we pray for this service today that it impact lives. God, that it reaches the lost. God, that it encourages the saints of God. That it brings us closer together as the body of Christ. God, that it ushers in the spirit of unity, one mind, one accord. God, that healing goes forth in this service. That your anointing saturates and destroys every yoke of bondage. God, that your spirit pours out in this place. That baptistry is full. God, that people are baptized in your wonderful name, Jesus. God, that the Holy Ghost just saturates and fills each and every one of us and renews us in the power of our faith. We pray you bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to step out and give today, and they're going to sing worship with them as they sing.
kingdom of God, the people of God, and we're just very, very happy to be here. Give honor to your pastor, his wife, and of course, <clears throat> none other than that. I was going to say cowgirl, but I feel like, um, I mean, I know what you did, you know, in Connecticut, so she, that girl's crazy. Uh, in a good way, in a good way. But um, it really is good to be here with the whole Crutchfeld family. Amen. I wonder if you would just help me by praying one more time with me. We do have a short uh, presentation to show that tells some of our story. But I really want God to move in our midst today. And I want to speak what he has given me. But I, I'm just going to be honest, and I didn't even confess this to your pastor, but I did say you might hear the same message twice. Uh, that's because I felt like God's messing with me a little bit. I don't believe it's by chance that you're here in this service and that we're here. And I do want to do whatever he tells me to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So would you pray one more time? Before we move further in the service, and let's just pray that God would speak to us today. That God would speak to us uniquely in this service today. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for your church. I thank you, Lord God, for what is happening here today. Celebrating, Lord, culture. Celebrating, Lord, friendship. Celebrating, God, your people. But I ask, Lord God, that you help me, Lord, to speak what you've given me today. And I ask, Lord, that you touch our lives that's our hearts, our spirit, our mind today, God, that we leave here encouraged. We leave here, Lord, excited about living for you, about serving you, God. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So part of our story that I'm pretty confident we would have shared the last time we were here is that I went to Africa as a young man, very young. I'm still a young man, thank you very much. But... Um, I went to Africa and I volunteered to go there for three months and I came back 15 years later with a wife and two children and I say it all the time she calls it love I call it entrapment but it's worked out pretty well Amen. but her my wife's parents were the missionaries in the country that I went to help start a school and uh, she was already there working with them and uh, it's quite a longer story than that but I thank God for my wife I thank God that he put us together because I am a lifelong project she is still working on. Amen. Amen. We have a short presentation we want to show now that just tells a little of our story, where we're at, and some about the nation of Botswana, where we are headed. Amen. So I'll draw your attention to the screen. Amen. Let's just enjoy this presentation. Thirty years ago, God called my wife and I to the nation of Botswana in Southern Africa, where we entered into the AIM program of the United Pentecostal Church. During those early years, we saw so many miracles, so many things happen that the only thing you could say is God did it. Botswana is a beautiful country in the desert with the Kalahari Desert at its center very young country it's only 57 years old when I arrived it was only 27 years old one of the greatest things that we were involved in was the starting of the learning center school 
in the capital city of Haveroni, to watch it start in literally in a garage and grow into a school of almost 700 students with over 100 employees, absolutely amazing. And when you go there today, and so many of those students are now members of government, there's doctors, there's lawyers, these are now business people that are, are doing tremendous things in that nation. The church in Gaborone started in our house and it started growing and it grew from the house to another location. And watching that grow from 15 to a church in the capital city that was running near 1,000 in attendance at times, the revival that took place, the revival that we were privileged to be part of will be something we will never forget. We are just delighted to have been a part of what God has done there in those early years. Fifteen years ago, God called us back to the United States to plant a church in the heart of New Haven, Connecticut. Literally just blocks from a little school called Yale University. We quickly saw a revival happen. It was amazing to watch my children, who had grown up in Africa, learn how to navigate the American church and the American culture, but still be missionaries. It's a big piece of our life that we will never regret. What a privilege to be part of planning a church in that great city. Up until one year ago, we were pastoring two churches. We genuinely believed we were going to spend the rest of our life in Connecticut with the church there, watching God do incredible things. Until God made it very, very clear we were to return to Botswana and continue the work that he had allowed us to be part of those many years ago. And as much as it grieved me because I loved the people of Connecticut and I loved what we were doing, I knew that we were being called back to Botswana. I knew it was time to go back to the people that I loved and a place that I knew that my husband was feeling the calling to go back to. So now we are returning to Botswana to continue the work that God allowed us to be part of those many years ago as fully appointed missionaries with the United Pentecostal Church. I know, I realize, I get it. All these years, Going back, how in the world are you doing that? My, my response is pretty simple. There's no other place I'd rather be than in a land we love, in a land we are called to, the people that we love so very, very much, than to go work with a national superintendent that used to be part of your youth group. No place I'd rather be them right there doing the will of God, the work of God. I cannot wait to get there and see what God has for the remaining years of that nation. There's not just villages that have never heard this truth, but there's entire regions. The fact that those people have not even had an opportunity to accept or reject this truth. It's just unacceptable. I really do believe that God's sending us back to reach that nation because the time is short. If not now, then when? 
The time is now, the time is now for Botswana. The time is now for us to go back to Botswana, to the people that we love, and to the country that we call home. Everyone that is watching this presentation can be part of what God's doing and going to do in the nation of Botswana. And you can do that by simply committing once a month that you're gonna spend some time praying for the Perrys, praying for the nation of Botswana, praying for the church of Botswana. We also need individuals, churches, that will partner with us financially. Will you partner with us to see the mission happen in Botswana now? These are our people, and we're going home. or seeing yourself on video, but I want to add a prayer request. Pray for us as we go across this country having to watch that over and over. <laughs> the friend that did the video said, now do you have the means to remove a few chins? And, but uh, he did not have a death, obviously. And um, hallelujah. I want to read from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 we're going to read from, and if you're blessed that you're going to be part of both services today, there's a good chance it will be a different message in the next service that's um, not to encourage or discourage you, but I do believe God wants to speak to us here right now. I believe God wants to encourage somebody. Amen? Amen. Uh, I thank your pastor. Uh, just so you know, he's already committed to support us for $10,000 a month. Lord, forgive me. Don't let lightning come down. But he has, and the church has partnered with us. And what is beautiful about this is this church helped and supported us in starting the church in New Haven, Connecticut. So you were part of planning a church, literally just down the road from Yale University. And uh, we didn't see it coming, Give me some time to find Romans 3. But when I felt God speaking to us, and it's quite a longer story that I can't, I'm looking forward to telling your pastor about, but we felt God calling us back to Botswana, and I, I'm just, I'm like Jonah on a boat. And I'm just like, Lord, you, you called us here to plant a church. And as clear as I can hear any voice, I heard him say, yeah, that's done. And then I'm like, Lord, you know people are not beating down the doors of New England to take churches. Who's going to pastor this church? And I uh, didn't get a quick answer to that until we actually told our church board we told the church publicly what we were feeling God calling us back to do. And a young couple in our church who he got the Holy Ghost under our ministry as a teenager. And he was a minister in our church and on our board. And uh, him and his wife came a few days later, later, Pastor, and just said, with a lot of tears, we just can't get away from this. We feel we're supposed to let our name stand to be the next pastor. And I made him go back three times and pray about it. 
because I needed them to know it was God and not just an emotional response. And uh, they're doing an incredible job. We call him the caveman. She's actually a psychologist, so we figured they'll balance each other out. But uh, God's, God's doing a great work through them, and we love them so very much. But you were part of that. Amen. And that's, that's the piece of this that I love. I love being back here. All right, Romans 3, verses 3 through 4. Don't get nervous. I am very aware of the time. I have a clock right in front of me. doesn't mean a whole lot, but I do have one there. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It reads, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Those are two questions back to back. Verse 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Amen. You can be seated. I very much <laughs> come to you with this scripture and I, I think if I'm uh, in the right place, you've probably heard the scripture before, but maybe just verse four or maybe heard the God forbid, but let every man be a liar. We often like to stand upon the fact that God is true. Amen? How many know He is true? God forbid, let God be true, but every man a liar. But I want to draw your attention here to the first uh, verse that we read. Verse 3, it says, For what if some did not believe? Shall, it, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? I don't know if you're living in the same world I'm living in, but I have found there's plenty of unbelievers. I have found there's even people in the church that sometimes struggle with a little doubt, a little unbelief. Life gets a little tough, and sometimes we just don't believe something is possible. And I, I have a feeling here in Romans, this is what the apostles addressing a little bit. And it says, <clears throat> for what if some did not believe? And, and my response to that is, well, I'm just going to believe anyway, and I try to sound and say the right thing, but, but I love the way it says, shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? I read that scripture, Pastor, and I, I thought about that for just a few minutes because I'm not the sharpest, thank you, thank you. As soon as I don't bring a water, that's what happens. I start coughing. I promise it's not the Ronas. Hallelujah, praise God. And I, I thought to myself, being the young, good-looking, intelligent man that I am. Hallelujah. <laughs> the faith of God, the God that we serve, the one that we believe hung the heavens and created the earth, that, that this God has faith? Why would God need faith? Because of my skill set and the ability to follow my wife's instruction and buy computer software. I pushed a couple buttons and found out very quickly that this faith of God, and perhaps in the version that you're reading, if it's not the King James, it has already translated to talk and it says the faithfulness of God. So for just a few moments here this morning before we conclude, I, I want us to consider the faithfulness of God. I don't know. I really don't know who this is for today. And I, I'm pretty confident, Pastor, this is not what we're going to hear in the next service. But I do believe somebody here needs to be reminded that he is a faithful God. 
It doesn't matter who believes, who doesn't believe. It doesn't matter if I've doubted. It doesn't matter if I've given up sometimes on God. The fact of the matter is, He is a faithful God. Amen. How many believe we serve the faithful God? Amen. I, I, I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew. i got to get back up here make sure it's the right one. But Matthew 15. In Matthew chapter 15, we're going to read some verses here. We're going to talk about the faithfulness of God today. And I might get a little more excited. I might calm down. I don't know. I might talk monotone. Who knows what will happen. But I do believe that God wants us to hear this today. There's a story here in Matthew chapter 15 that I am thinking we're probably familiar with. The Canaanite woman. And let's read starting at verse 21. Verse 21 says, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In the story of the Canaanite woman approaching Jesus, I, I find this story intriguing because I, I have two children of my own. And here this woman's coming because her daughter, is it all right if I come down here? I don't know about the TV ministry or what. I, I, did I just say, I did say that. I, I find this story very intriguing because with two how many have children here today? I want to know who I'm talking to. All right. We got some parents in the house today. I would do anything for my children if it was going to help them. If it was not just going to enable, but it was going to help them. And I, I love my children very much. I, I call them my African-American children because they both have African birth certificates. My son, Alex, actually got in trouble in school because he filled out some legal paperwork and put that he was African-American when he first came back to the States because he thought that's what he was. And, okay, that's just, I better move on. Uh, but, but I love them, and, and I would do anything for them. And I have a son and a daughter. And, and I remember the days of coming home from Africa, and I, I won't tell you which one, but she would just throw herself down in the floor. son and a daughter, she would throw, okay. <laughs> and she would throw these fits in public when she didn't get what she wanted. Now, you got to understand, they were raised in Africa. There was not a Toys R Us. There, there was barely a grocery store at that time. And, and the fact was, when we came home, we stocked up. We bought new clothes and wardrobes, and, and we, we took advantage of being in the States. But, but she would throw these fits, and there was this one time that I picked her up off the floor, and I put her in the shopping cart, and I just went, Girl, if you don't want to be locked up in the closet another week, you're going to stop that. Uh, her mother heard me and, 
and uh, told me, you can't do that. They're going to find you and lock you up. And I said, how are they going to find me? I live in Africa. But anyway, and for the record, we never locked our children up, okay, for the record. They are very well loved and very balanced and, yeah. Hallelujah. Some of you, I felt, I felt a little like, oh, I'm not listening to this guy. But I got a feeling the parents in the house can relate. And, and even though that might have been the behavior as a terrible two or whatever, but, but the fact of the matter is, I can't imagine what this Canaanite woman was going through. I can't imagine what she was dealing with because she obviously was come to a place where she just was done. She didn't know what else to do. She didn't know where else to go. And she heard about Jesus. And she heard that Jesus was in town. And she something in her said, if I can just get to this Jesus, I know that everything's going to be okay. Because I can't do this. I got nothing else left. I don't know where else to go but to Jesus. And I think sometimes in our walk, even those of us living for God for many years, we get to places in our life where we just don't know what else to do. And if we're not careful, we don't run to Jesus and we run somewhere else. And if we're not careful, we'll have a daughter home vexed with a devil that'll be taken over by the enemy when the whole time God's saying, would you just find me for I am near? Would you just approach me the way I want to be approached? And here in the story, the Canaanite woman pushes her way. I just kind of see it that way. She just kind of bullies her way in to the presence of Jesus. And the disciples are there. And she cries out to Jesus, Lord, help me. My daughter's vexed with the devil. And Jesus' response is one that I have become pretty accustomed to. It was silence. He answered her not a word. I have found in my walk and my relationship with God so often when I think I know what God needs to do, when I think I need to hear from Him, there's often that moment, that season where it's as if God is just silent. But I'm telling somebody here in the house today that you need to just understand he is, may be silent, but he is still present. He is still there. And there's a reason why he is silent. And here this Canaanite woman comes needing a miracle and God doesn't even respond to her. But what I find so disturbing, Pastor, is that the next thing we read is that the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, send her away. She's bothering us. She's annoying us. She's disrupting what's going on here. And I thought about that scripture and I thought about the way that reads that, that here this Canaanite woman, this woman that's desperate for Jesus, this woman that's desperate for a miracle in her life has come into the house of God. She's come to where Jesus is and the followers of Christ are saying, Lord, send her away. I'm thankful I'm in a church today that that's not the way we operate. I'm thankful that today we're celebrating all nations. I, I'm thankful that I'm in a church today that that's not the way the disciples behave. But perhaps you've been exposed to those kind of disciples. I, I've come to tell you it doesn't matter if Jesus is silent. It doesn't matter what the disciples are saying. If you'll just get your eyes on Jesus and you'll just say, I don't care what they
they try to tell me to do. I'm going to hear from Jesus today. I've got to get an answer to this prayer today. I've got to get what I came here for today. I'm telling you, church, there's something to be understood about the life of this Canaanite woman and about where she was at in this moment because here she is, Jesus silent, disciples saying, go away. And what is the next thing that she does? The scripture says, then she came worshiping. Come on. Mm. Come on. There's a reason my sister's standing here with her hands clapped, raising her voice, because I got a feeling you understand something, that we were created to worship him. We were created to be a worshiper of Jesus. And I got a feeling this Canaanite woman had a revelation in her desperation of who Jesus Christ was. She said, I'm desperate for you to do something in my life. You might be silent right now, but Lord, I'm going to worship you nonetheless. Your disciples might be against me, but I'm going to worship you nonetheless because I know that you are Christ. I know that you're my Savior. And I've come needing a miracle. I've come needing your help. I've come needing direction. I've come in need of you. I pray, church, that you dig down deep into the depths of your soul and your spirit and something rise up in you and says, I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care how bad they, 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 they talk against you, Lord. I don't care, Lord, how much they don't believe. I don't care, Lord, how much I've even doubted. I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm stepping back up to the plate and I'm going to swing and I'm going to swing and I'm going to swing because Lord, I know you've got it under control. And while that preach is really good and we could go on a long time with that, there's something here that I find so amazing because here she steps up. Do you, do you really get the picture? She's in the presence of Jesus. Disciples want her to go away. Jesus isn't talking. Now she's doing what she knows to do to worship him. It sounds like the makings for something great. And evidently worship does get his attention. But how does he respond? I'm just going to put it in Perry's words. Jesus says to the Canaanite woman, you dog. He calls her a dog. I don't know. I don't know about this area of Georgia. But where I grew up in a little city called Cleveland, Ohio, you call me a dog. It's on like Donkey Kong, you know? We're, we're, we're going to have probably a little more than words if you don't back up off it. But here is Jesus. She obviously knew who he was. She's desperate for a miracle for him to do something, for him to speak. And he finally speaks. And the first thing he says is, you dog, who are you to think? <laughs> Anybody ever felt like that? That his response is not exactly what you think it should be? That what he speaks and what he allows to happen, it's not exactly the way you think this should go down? 
that just maybe if he is God and if he's really who he says he is, he's just gonna he's just gonna speak and everything's gonna be okay. That's not the God we serve. He does it his way, and I have found his way is the best way. And I can tell you right now, what you saw in that video, our desire was to to spend the rest of our life in Connecticut, spend our rest of our life in a nice house and with all of our toys and just enjoying life a little bit. The church just got to a place, Pastor, that we didn't have to worry about if we could pay the bills. I, it took almost 14 years to get there. It was like, glory to God, it's finally happening. <laughs> Come on, watch out. Yep. And he says, Perry, you dog. Says, glory. I know it's appropriate. I, I, I understand. He doesn't always respond the way we, we think he should. It's not always the response that we're hoping for. But there's something about this lady. There's something about her approach to him. She understood something that I think I have missed for many, many years. Because she walks into his presence. He's not even responding. The disciples want her to go away. And now he's calling her dog after she's worshipped and done what she knows to do. But yet here she is. And Jesus says, oh, you dog, who are you to think that you should eat from the master's table? And then she says, but Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. I'm convinced, friend, that it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of our position to him. Because the disciples have been sitting at the table feasting for many years. And they were getting fed up with everything that he had to offer. They had got used to looking down at the table and what was sitting in front of them and what was was being given to them and what they were partaking of. But here comes this Canaanite woman that was looking up saying, Lord, I need your help, Lord. I don't even know what's going on on that table, but Lord, I got my eyes on you. And if, Lord, there's food on that table, if I can just get the crumbs from it, then Lord God, I know everything's going to be all right. I think sometimes, church, we got to just step back from it all and look up to him and say, Lord, if I can just get a little bit of whatever it is that they're feasting on. Lord, you call me what you want. Lord God, you allow your disciples to treat me however they want to try to treat me. But Lord God, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. Lord, I'm going to be a worshiper of you because if I can just get some crumbs, I know my daughter's going to be okay. I know you're going to heal. I know you're going to restore. I know you're going to provide. I wonder if there's anybody in the house today that you situation that you desperately need God to do something. Maybe it's finance, but maybe it just maybe it's a, a member of the family or someone you love or maybe it's you that you're just in a spot that you don't know what to do. I pray that you hear the story of the Canaanite woman who said I don't care what they say and I may have doubted and I may have messed up but here I am in his presence. I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that God one day wrapped his arms around this backslidden preacher's kid that has so many scars because I chose to believe the lies of the enemy because I thought I was useless. I thought I was no good and I gave in to the lies and I got involved in things I didn't 
didn't need to be involved in. But one day at an altar, I said, Lord, if this is really real, if this is really right, God, then, Lord, I need to know that I had an experience in him that I will never forget. I will never forget that day when God turned my life around. And I have said, Lord, whatever you want of me, God, that's what I'm willing to do. You see, this Canaanite woman gives me hope that my unbelief it doesn't take away from the faithfulness of my God. That's right. That's right. I'm so thankful. There's so many biblical examples of the faithfulness of God, regardless of the unbelief of his people. You know the stories, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, the forbidden fruit. You got Cain and Abel and the, the sacrifice. I call it the I know better what he wants kind of attitude. You got Moses and Aaron. and I can just hear Aaron say, Lord, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm good with making things. And I, I'm just going to go ahead and make this idol for your people because Moses probably got eaten by a mountain lion up there. Not, not understanding that the silence was God just doing what God was doing. And Aaron says, I'm just going to go ahead and do it my way. Samson and Delilah, if you know the story, you know the story. David and Bathsheba. Not only does David fail morally as far as him and Bathsheba, but he becomes a murderer. And you got, you got the story of, of Peter. You know, the one that Jesus said, you are Peter on this, this, this rock. You're the rock, Peter. I'm, I'm going to build my church on you. But yet we find Peter hiding in the shadows when Christ is crucified. Peter denying him not once, not twice, but three times. I'm telling you, friend, it doesn't matter how bad you have messed up, how bad you have failed, how much you have doubted, how down you have gotten. It really doesn't matter. If you'll just get back in position with Jesus, if you'll just get your eyes on him, I promise you, if you'll be begin to worship him, if you'll begin to give your life back and say, Lord, no matter what, I'm going to serve you. No matter what, God, I'm going to worship you. I promise you from experience, God will do great things. God will do great things. God will be your help. My God, no matter what life hands me, I can tell you he's been faithful. If I had told you things of this guy's life, you would say, what in the world is Pastor God him here for? Thank you, Lord. Come on. That's right. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for being there with me and for me. Even when it was silent. It's told that in a cellar in Cologne, Germany, after World War II, there were found carved in the walls these words. I believe. I believe in the sun, even when it's not shining. I believe in love, even when I feel it not. I believe in God, even when he is silent. What causes unbelief? I believe this questions that we can't find immediate answers to. The voices of the masses, Aaron. Frustration, Moses. The seduction of sin, Samson. The lust of the flesh, David. Watching your leader's dreams torn to shreds and hung on a cross, Peter. We've got to guard ourselves 
against such things. So church, I say regardless of our failures, regardless of our hurts, are you thankful He is a faithful God? He is the only God. Would you stand with me? He is the faithful God in Christ. I am so thankful for His faithfulness. Why would He heal me? Because He is faithful. Why would He deliver me? Because He is faithful. Why would he restore my finances? Because he is faithful. Why would he, and I'll let you fill in the blank, because he is faithful. I wonder if you would join me here in this front, in this altar area. And I wonder if you would just respond by being like this Canaanite woman. You may not have an answer yet, and you may not know exactly where you're headed and what is going to happen. You don't know really what tomorrow holds, but I promise you, if you would come to this front area and just say, Lord, here I am, and get our eyes on Jesus and be a worshiper of him, I promise you, he will respond. He will respond. It might not be exactly what we think he will respond, but he will respond. Amen. Would you come, church? Would you come? We got just a few minutes here, but would you come? I'm not going to drag this out. I'm not going to beg, but I, I am asking that this is the way we conclude this service by way of the altar. Amen. Whatever has you doubting, whatever has you doubt, whatever has you discouraged, I've come to tell you, he is faithful. Amen. Whatever it is that's holding you back, let me help you. He is faithful. Whatever keeps you up at night or, or depressed or down at night, let me tell you, he is faithful. Oh, church, would you just begin to pray right now? Lord God, we come to you. We come to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, oh God. Lord Jesus, it's been a season for somebody here. Lord God, it may be many of us, but Lord, I pray right now as we lift our voice and we lift our hands to you, God. Lord Jesus, that we begin, Lord, to hear and to feel you and to know, God, it's going to be okay because, Lord, I've made up my mind to be a worshiper you of, of regardless of what is said, regardless of what I hear or don't hear, God. I'm looking towards you. I'm looking for you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, friend, would you cry out to God? Hallelujah. If you don't know what else to pray, maybe just begin to repent and say, Lord, search me, God. Forgive me, God. Lord, if there's any way that I'm thinking or behaviors that don't please you, God, I want my life to be right before you. Maybe it's like praying, Lord, even the dogs get the crumbs. I just want, Lord, what you have for me, God. I want to do, Lord, what's pleasing in your sight, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. As they lead us, can we just worship him a little longer? Amen. I just feel God's not done. Amen. Don't worry about the time just yet. Hallelujah. He can do some amazing things in your life in just a few seconds. If you'll just position yourself right before him. Hallelujah, Lord. We need you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are in our life, God.
We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Shake hands with each other. Bump elbows, fists. However you do it, God bless you in Jesus' name. And greet your brothers and sisters as they're coming in for the 11. God bless you. Thank you.